Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson. There on a day where we could talk about a win, Logan. Yeah. Winning is cool. We love winning. It, yeah, dude, it's always great talking about a win. Everyone gets a little bit happier. The the grass is a little greener. The sun's a little brighter. So, awesome. Definitely. And uh, we get to talk about a win where the quarterback, hopefully of the future of this franchise, played pretty well. It showed a lot of different stuff. Um, it was a bit of an ugly game overall, but the talk of the week is Sam Howell. And now at the halfway point, people, I want to say like people are in a rush to anoint him, but like after a good game, people are like, I don't know. It seems like he's the guy. Um, when you go back and watch the film, what do you see of of Sam in a 325-yard uh, performance, his second straight 300-yard game? Yeah, I think the thing is like I was, you know, I think we were both pretty optimistic post-game about like what he had done and how he had looked. And I think, Rightfully so. I think he did some really good things, some really high level things. But I also think you saw some of the stuff that has kind of like characterized his game. And I think um, what I mean by that is just like there were times where he's vacating clean pockets. Now, it's interesting as a coach, like I don't know how you handle that because he's vacating a clean pocket to complete a ball for a first down. So it's like it's a kind of a I don't say like a regression or a, a negative thing that he's doing, but ends up in a positive result. And I think that's kind of what where I was kind of looking at it, I was like, man, 
you know, this is a good play by him, but he's still not feeling the pressure. Or he, or there was, for example, like he threw a ball to Jamison Crowder. Uh, I think it was the play before the interception. It was a really nice ball. It was all go special. Jamison's crossing the formation, beautiful ball. Um, the Patriots bring uh, basically like a six man pressure, which, which would play like an all out. They're playing zero coverage. And basically because of how EB set the protection up or how EB's called the protection, the back, um, B-Rob is to his left. He's cross-blocking, so he's working across the formation to block, I think, number eight, who's rushing like the right B-gap. And because of the back cross-blocks, the guy that has him in man coverage doesn't green dog or doesn't blitz the second he sees him protect. And when that happens, um, he is picked up, Sam is picked up, but Sam is continues to kind of drift away from the line of scrimmage, um, you know, he doesn't need to do that. He can just set his feet and throw the football. So that type of stuff I felt like popped up probably four or five times in the game. You're like, man, like that would be nice if you knew that you were not, that you were not hot there and you knew you didn't need to vacate the pocket or do kind of make this harder than it needed to be. So that came up a couple of times, but in the same breath, I also think you see a maturation, like the, the throw to Terry on that, like pylon, that high corner route where he kind of routes yeah. the guy up at the top. Like he's, there's a guy in his face, Barmore has a kind of a quick win inside. He stands in there, buys a little time, plants his feet and throws the football. And to me, that was like, that's about as big time as you're going to get. Marry that with the touchdown to Jahan where he checks the play. He he identifies that it's going to be some type of blitz. He brings Logan Thomas in. It was great, man. He just did a great job of, of like that. That's like, that stuff is good. But then you get that, you know, the um, the sack that he takes in the, I think it's it's the right before the big scramble that he has where he's, there's a little bit of pressure, but it's, it's um, no, it's a, it's a, there's a free rusher off the right side, but he vacates back and out and ends up being a, a third and 15. Like that type of stuff, I felt like popped up a little bit throughout the game. It didn't hurt him on a couple of those third down conversions early, but it hurts him there. So it's like, where do you walk that line of saying, hey, man, stay in the pocket. Hey, man, deliver the football. But he's also making plays. So I felt like it was like this. There was some good, some really, really good stuff. Those two plays that I just cited. Yeah. There's also some kind of medium stuff. And then you saw how the medium stuff can turn into bad stuff when he doesn't execute correctly. And so I think that was kind of the layers of his game. So do I think he's playing well? Yes. Do I still think there's shades of the guy that took, you know, all these sacks early in the year? Yeah. But do I also see a guy who's shown some maturation. Yes. So it's like, it's like, it's like all these shades of gray leading to, I think he had a good day, but he's still got a lot of growing to do kind of evaluation. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I do wonder on some of the ones where he fades back. That's something I noticed as well. Rewatching the game. Like, is that just kind of going to be who he is yeah. because he's a smaller guy and that, that lets him kind of see it a little bit better. And he's got the arm strength where it's not really an issue and he's been doing it his whole life. And at that point, it's like, it's like a jump shooter in basketball that doesn't have perfect mechanics, but is a 40% three point shooter. It's like, right. if I was teaching you from scratch, I'd never let you shoot like this, but like you're in the NBA and you're shooting 40% from three. So like, I'm not going to change your shot now or like a golfer who maybe has uh, some kind of, technical error in their swing that you never teach, but they're on the PGA tour. Like, what am I going to do? Fix your golf swing. You're on the PGA tour. No, we're just right. going to, we're going to work within the framework of your skill set and how you play the position. And I think it's too early to like really know that. And obviously I think there's probably places where it's like, no nah, man, just drive the ball. But as I think some of the throws you even reference, it's not like they're lofted. There's some no. that, that are, but like there's some that are thrown like, perfectly thrown balls and if he can load up and throw off that back foot 
in a way that there's still velocity and, and he understands how to shift his body weight and all that kind of stuff, then I actually don't know how problematic that is. But to your point, like I, I that's not me saying like, it's actually not a problem. It's like, I truly don't know how problematic right. that is and whether EB and Tavita and Kenny Zampezi and whoever else is working with them, you know, his, his private QB coach, like, is that something that they work to correct or that they work on getting better at doing because he's going to do it anyway. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that'd be a great question. If Tavita is at the podium this week, for instance, I don't know what position coach they haven't announced it yet. Who's speaking on Friday, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe someone, uh, who, all the beat, a lot of the beat reporters do listen to our podcast, thankfully, which is nice. So, uh, <laughs> hey, beat reporters who listen to the podcast, if you want to ask EB about this on Thursday, that would be cool. <laughs> well, and that's and that's a great point. Like I thought, if I'm if I'm coaching Sam, if I'm the quarterback coach, what do I say on this? I say, hey man, like you're protected here, but great play, and that's really what it is. It's I think the problem that I have with it is that it does show up as taking big sacks in other games. When you mm -hmm. vacate back and try to roll out, like I think about the uh, the Broncos, for example, where they actually had a rush plan for that. They'd have the, the left defensive end work an inside move on the commander's right tackle, Wiley, and then they'd have the guy run a huge arc on, um, on Leno. And Leno's pushing him by the pocket, but because of how Sam vacates, it ends up being a sack. So mm -hmm. in this case, he did it twice versus a three-man rush. One was a four-man rush. And it was fine. It ended up being okay. Like the, the, they protected the pocket. He got out. There was no issue. And then on the sack that he takes in that two minute situation, I believe it was a two minute situation. Um, it ends up being a big loss because it, it essentially plays the same way. The free runner runs right at him. And instead of just throwing the ball away, he, he tries to vacate back and ends up being a 15 yard loss or not a 15 yard loss, but like a five yard loss on the sack. So I just look at that kind of stuff and I'm saying, versus a better defense, like versus Dallas and Micah Parsons. I'm not sure you can get away with that. But it ends up being it ends up being, I think, three first downs off of kind of broken plays where he vacates a clean pocket. The other one you mentioned this the Jamison Crowder, like the ball's perfect. It just he makes it harder than it needs to be, in my opinion. You're picked up. You don't need to be feathering away from that. And that comes with experience. So like that's what we're we're talking about something very fine here. But against a better defense, a more athletic defense, because I think the Patriots defense is a good defense, but a defense with more dynamic playmakers, does that become an issue in the same way where we saw it be an issue versus, I don't know, the Giants is a bad example because that was more scheme driven. But you, you kind of get what I'm alluding yeah. to there, I think. I mean, I do think, though, it's worth pointing out um, that Sam has grown, I think, in these areas. Um, I well, feel yeah. like the last couple of games, he's moved within the pocket a lot better. Like, he didn't move in the pocket at all the first, like, seven weeks of the season. And these last two, like, he does manipulate the pocket. You do see him slide up and watch Leno push someone by. Like, it just didn't happen the first seven weeks of the season, barely at all. Um, I mean, almost literally at all. And you see it these last couple of weeks. And, and I think that he's learning and hopefully like then maybe the next step in the process is the stuff that you're talking about here. But you do start to see, you know, obviously the sack numbers are coming down. And I do want to talk about Larson and the O-line and, and kind of their role in that as well. But I, I think that Sam is also making this line look better with some of the movement and stuff that he is doing. I, I do feel like he's less vacating clean pockets, even though it yeah. still pops up some. Um, so it's, it's never going to go from, you know, 60 to zero in this case, or a hundred to zero. Um, it's going to be a progression and it's not necessarily even going to be a linear one, even if the trend line is fairly linear right now in terms of sure. his interceptions coming down, his sacks coming down, his pressures coming down. 
all that stuff is coming down um, and, and all the trend lines are the right direction, but it is, it is getting better. And I think that is an important thing to point out because these are the kinds of things we were discussing a couple of weeks ago as potential fatal flaws. Sure. As like a lot of quarterbacks do not ever get better at this. Like you have a feel and your feel is, is your feel for the rest of time and you learn how to operate within that feel. And it seems like Sam is kind of learning on the job what he can and can't get away with. And while it's not perfect and, and it's still maybe even below average compared to a lot of NFL starters on certain particular things, it's better than it was three weeks ago, nevertheless, six weeks ago or nine weeks ago. And when you're trying to decide if this guy is going to turn into your franchise quarterback, that seems uh, fairly important to point out. Yeah, let's be clear. Like, I do think he did some stuff in this game that shows that. We mentioned the throw to Terry, like staying in the pocket. There's a pressure there. Delivers a, a like a like a, an amazing ball, right? The, the play to Jahan, the check versus the – like to see, to identify that, hey, we're in the strike zone. Bill Belichick, this entire game has been heating us up in the strike zone with some form of all-out pressure. Let's check the protection. That's big-time stuff. Earlier in the game, I want to say it was the first completion he had – it's it looks like man they run a motion across you know the guy follows them across the formation you're like oh my gosh this is man pick your best matchup they've got a choice to Jahan at the bottom you're like okay working that they fall into a cover three it was a great disguise by New England and instead of beating the football up and patting it patting it to death he says okay I'm I know what to do there's a post running in right behind the choice by Jahan delivers an excellent ball there so I do think you're seeing a lot of very high level stuff. And I think that's the thing, to your point, that is exciting is there is a progression. It's just I the thing that I would just kind of make people aware of. It's not like he went from Sam Howell week five to your starting franchise quarterback in week nine. I think you still see elements of issues that he was having. It's just it's just also he made plays off of it this week. So it's like, again, I go back to what I would tell him as a coach. I'd be like, hey, man. Probably don't need to do this here, but great throw. And so I, all of these situations end up with, hey, man, great play. Even the first one where they, they um, the Patriots bring, they brought a whole bunch of these kind of fun fire zones where it's like they're bringing six. And usually in a fire zone, you bring five, um, but they're bringing six. So that means like in a true fire zone, you get three guys playing deep, like in a, in a traditional cover three structure. And then mm -hmm. you have three guys underneath. But in this, in a six-man pressure, they have two guys underneath. And what they do, which is really cool, is they kind of immediately buzz to the vision of the quarterback. So they take away your route concept there, and it's really effective. Sam did a good job of saying, oh, shoot, I got a little pressure here, vacated out. All those guys have overloaded this one zone where he wants to throw the football, buys a little time, and it's Pringle over the middle of the field. So even though you're like, no, 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 it ends up being a yes because he's making plays. And there's an element of modern quarterback play where – the dudes are making plays and that's something that elevates the offense. and means it doesn't have to be a perfect play call. So I look at that stuff and it's like, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. There's a level of nuance here where like, as a coach, I'd be like, I don't love this, but you made the play. So you made me right. You made the offense, right? That's a plus, but let's just make sure we at least address this to kind of say, Hey man, you're good here. We're picked up or Hey man, you don't need to vacate this pocket. Let's just deliver this ball to the dig over the middle of the field, that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's small stuff. But I think it kind of speaks to your process, to, to what you're to what you're alluding to, is he is getting better. And me and me as a coach making that comment continues to enforce that progression, I guess. Yeah. The other area where I think he's getting a lot better is kind of a next level 
you know, competence to mastery, whatever where you want to use on that very wide range of the offense itself. And yeah. part of that is EB putting more on his plate. Like I've seen him audible and change things at the line of scrimmage. We talked about in take five, that Dotson touchdown and yeah. how he took command and did something that he literally did not do a couple of weeks ago against the Giants in a similar situation. Um, and, and trusting a certain protection call and you see that, but there's also times where he's taking drops that should be based off play call, five-step drop, seeing pressure, and you take a three-step and you get the ball out. Like there's little things like that. The the early completion to Jahan, I think maybe it's I think it's his first completion of the game, um, is like that where it's just like the ball gets out quick, and those types of things weren't happening. And there, there's times I think earlier in the season where an offensive lineman might lose uh, you know maybe not immediately but fairly quickly and we'd be telling folks like hey that's kind of on sam to get the ball out it seems like the receiver's open um and you watch the tape and if you don't know that that's an option you'd be like well like he's not even at the top of his drop and it's like yes correct he doesn't have to get to the top of his drop the ball needs to get out like that right. that rushers in his vision um whether it's a blitzer or or a quick loss and, and you're seeing things like that where he, I think, is understanding the tools at his disposal a lot better. And when you have more tools in the toolbox, it's easier to get the job done because you're not just stuck with, you know, a hammer and a screwdriver when you need an Allen wrench. I think that's no, always- I haven't been just assembling furniture nonstop for, for five days. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great analysis. I think that's 100% right. I think he, he is taking more ownership, but I also think EB deserves a little bit of a shout out. I think he does. He's done a really nice job of calling, of changing how he calls games. I think we've seen a lot less five step drop, and I think that's been huge for Sam. And also, I think game flow is a big factor in that, allowing him to be a little bit more conservative. But seeing seeing more screens, seeing more quick game, seeing a little bit more play action, seeing different personnel groupings on the field. I think EB is also starting to get more comfortable, and I think as he gets more comfortable. Sam's getting more comfortable. And you mentioned the tools. I love that you brought that up because I do think that's a huge factor. Like the best offenses that I've been a part of, the quarterback is heavily involved in every aspect. And I think you're giving more and more of that responsibility to Sam. It seems anyway, you have to talk to somebody to get clarification on that. But I think that's that's a big deal too, because I think as he gets more ownership of it, some of the stuff we're talking about, like him vacating clean pockets or him feathering away in certain situations become that it becomes less likely to happen because he has he has ownership of it. He says, oh, I know we're picked up because I called the mic. I called the guy who's blitzing. So, um, but yeah, to your point, it is, I think this is a positive data point. This defense does a lot of different stuff. Sam did a really good job. Um, I think played, played a good football game. And the thing that I was worried about was that it would all just kind of crumble down around him, that he wouldn't be able to sustain it. And this is a different defense, a little bit more complicated. I don't think they're as talented as some of the other defenses he's played this year, but I do think it's a positive data point. I'm just pointing out a couple things with this analysis, basically saying like, hey, you still got to work on some stuff, but definitely trending in the right direction. I think EB is also trending in the right direction. So I think it yeah. bodes really well for this offense. I think it's also great you're getting more guys involved, like Jahan getting more involved. All those things are are trending in the right direction, which is one, one reason that um, – I think I'm pretty excited about, you know, the next couple of weeks of football for this team. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. 
your weekly source for all things Commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about some of the other offensive pieces here on the Take Command podcast. Logan Paulson there. I'm Craig Hoffman. If you are not subscribed wherever you are watching or listening right now, now is a good time to do that. Uh, just hit the follow button on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube, uh, wherever it is you're watching or listening. We'd love to have you for each and every episode that we do three times weekly here on Take Command. But I want to talk about Larson in a second. I want to talk about Alex Arma first, um, because when we talk about the switch in mentality and some of the ways uh, that EB is is becoming a better play caller for Sam, and, and bro- like like let's be clear, a better play caller overall. This is also his ninth game or this was his ninth game of doing this. He's still young being a solo play caller or inexperienced in being a solo play caller. I think that Arma has solved some of the problems that they've had in that one. He's a, he's a very, very good blocker who in some of their multiple tight end sets, like he's lined up on or in line or, or on the wing and been a very impactful player in some of their short yardage situations where they had huge problems. They were getting crazy creative to try to get a yard earlier this year. And now it's like, we're going to go in 13 personnel or 22 personnel and Arma, you know, when you send him out there, he could be either one. You might line up with him as a tight end or him as a fullback and we can smash you for two yards on a third and one and we're, we're fine. They've also gotten some nice, uh, you know, play action stuff off of some of the eye formation looks, but also some of the heavy looks where he's in there. And I just kind of wonder if, you know, obviously you have him at your disposal, you're going to use him, uh, which is nice, but like you think back to some of the issues they had earlier this year, could it have been solved by simply having that fullback and having a better blocking tight end and the impact that he's made these last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a cure-all having Alex Arma in there. I think there's a it's a lot of factors kind of coinciding or kind of coming together. But I do think Alex Arma's been a nice addition. I think just having the ability to get into some different looks it does stuff to the defense, you know, it just says, Oh shoot, like they got a fullback in, like what's our check versus this? Or how do I fit this? And it adds a level of prep. It gives you some flexibility. It just gives you an opportunity to present a different look as opposed to saying, Hey, we're in offset gun 90% of the time. Now we can get in the dot. We can have the fullback in. We can have a guy who can move around. We can change strengths of the formation quickly. It just gives you a little bit of flexibility. And to your point, having one, having a guy who's just a little bit more of a blue collar, hard nosed guy, is important. Like it just, it, it 
breeds something different into the offense, which is great. So I think yeah. um, obviously, like I think his his addition kind of coincides with Larson and Chris Paul, and we'll talk about those guys in a second. But I do think Arma and Bates is a guy that I think deserves a big shout out, like the flexibility he's given them from you know kind of being able to block a you know five technique, which is really tough sledding for a tight end to also you know, make some plays in the pass game for you has been great. So I think those two guys kind of being the Bash brothers, so to speak, has been nice. Now they're not playing, you know, Arm is playing 10 snaps a game, but it does give you enough flexibility to kind of um, get into some different stuff, present some different looks and have like a, just a different physical mindset. Like they ran straight week, which is, um, you know, what I would call 15 week in Kyle's terminology. And it's just lead. Like you're just putting that fullback on the weak side linebacker and being like, this is this is a physical football play, and I like that. I like that that's a feature of the offense now. And um, you know they ran the first time for eight yards, and I think part of it is because New England's like, what the heck is this? Like no one runs a fullback anymore, right? And they had an opportunity later that could have been a huge play, but Larson gets a little stuck on the double team and doesn't get to the line, the backside linebacker. So, um, but I think that's a, just a nice wrinkle, just something to give you some layers to the offense as opposed to being in this kind of spread out wide open formation all the time we give you some different looks some different stuff to prep for some different mental gymnastics i think it's a big deal yeah and and to to the point you made kind of towards the end there i actually think it's a bigger deal from like a mentality standpoint yeah like i just think they've been way more physical since he's been around it's like oh yeah we have a fullback and we can smash you like and so that that mentality versus that like hey it's fourth and one we're going to be in you know as spread as we can with brian robinson in the backfield we're going to just be in straight empty on a fourth and one, now it's like no, 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 no. Like we're gonna we're gonna go beat you up, and I think that that's had an impact. Having a three hundred and thirty pound center and a three hundred and thirty pound left guard also tends to help in that. What did you see from the offensive line as you watched this back as as Larson and Paul enter week two uh, of a better performing offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think you know Wiley and uh, Cosme they just seem to have a really good chemistry together, and obviously you know Wiley I think he gave up a pressure one pressure, but like overall like one pressure for an alignment pretty solid day. Um, Cosme, I think did a good job. You know, he's just a tough, those guys are just big, athletic, tough dudes. And I like that. Larson, again, you mentioned the kind of the physicality. I think the thing that where it shows up most is in pass pro, like the depth of the pocket has been so much nicer, even with Chris Paul, like Chris Paul is still figuring out how to pass off stunts and things like that. And, and like, he's still working on his chemistry with Leno, still working on his chemistry with Tyler. Like there was one where Tyler gets beat by Christian Derisov. He was playing the shade. The play, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. And everyone's like, oh, Tyler. But I'm like, it'd be, you have to talk to Ron, uh, Juan Castillo about it. But I kind of like, Chris, I don't think you need to push out of here so fast. Like, just right. stay there. If, if Larson thinks he's blocking half a body and right. Paul's going to block the other half, then he's in perfect position. The problem is the other half never gets blocked and he just gets blown by. Right. So I think there's a little bit of that going on with Chris. But again, Chris is a big, strong dude, man. And he gets his hands on people and it's and it's impressive the way he's able to keep some depth to the pocket. I think the one thing with Chris, too, I would point out, again, he's kind of relatively inexperienced because he wasn't very well coached in college. At least that was the kind of the the, the billing when he came out. Um, there's times where he's in outside zone and he doesn't understand that, hey, backs offset weak. It's you're not running true outside zone. Take a little bit better angle to this little tighter angle to this linebacker. Hey, be a little thicker on this double team. Hey, let's get a more vertical push. And those are things that'll come with time and experience. But I think from a physical, physical standpoint, from a mental stand, from like a physicality standpoint, there's the word I'm looking for. I think both those guys have been a nice addition. And I think Tyler's done a really good job. I don't know how much he's calling because like in this game, his head's between his legs a lot. They're working on the silent count, but 
they have not had the same issues in terms of free runners to the quarterback or, or mis-IDing protections or mis-IDing runs. So um, I'm not sure if that's all on him or if that's kind of a collective of the offense getting more comfortable, like you alluded to with Sam, but I, they're playing better. They're playing better with him in there. And um, and I think Chris has been a nice addition as well from a pass protection standpoint. Like Sadiq is a, is a strong physical athlete, but there's something about Chris Paul in terms of his ability to just keep some width and depth to the pocket that I think has been nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ron was asked about these things yesterday and he mentioned you know the girth between the two guards in the center uh very stout and then uh how veteran tyler is his experience his understanding and feel for what we're doing and how we're doing it and then he also was asked where is this other one yeah uh there's a couple of things that you can point to some of it is helping to idea the direction that the protection is going to go and the type of protection we're going to use then you see them trying to pass a snap uh pass a snap off as far as trying to pass them from one blocker to the other, there was an instance, I can't remember the play, blah, 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 but that they did, basically they did a good job. Um, and that Tyler came back and helped uh, where Cosme might've left uh, you know, dry a little bit. There's just like a veteran move. So yeah. sometimes following a Ron transcript is a bit of an no, adventure. No, but but, um, but like, like the, the point, true. the larger point being like the veteran nature of some of it is pre-snap and it's like, Oh, we got this here. We got this here. We got to, we got to slide this way. We got to do that. We got to, you know, this guy's coming. We got to, he's actually the mic, especially against new England, but it's also like once the ball is snapped, have you seen enough to be able to react and make a play? And it seems like that as much as anything is where Larson's making stuff right. Where Gates maybe was not. Yeah, and I think just like that feel of being like, I can hang on this double team a little bit longer. I can sit in this slide a little bit with eyes. Till, you know, I'm sitting on this shade till Cosme gets here and I can be patient because that guy's dropping out or, or whatever. Like there are moments like that. And I think it just led to a generally more consistent group. Even though Chris Paul has been, I'd say, a little bit less consistent, like his consistency, his inconsistency doesn't show up in big splash plays. And I think it, there's a benefit there. You mentioned kind of the the size and his, and his a certain kind of physicality that he brings. So I definitely think, and again, like this group um, of New England pass rushers was not overly that dynamic outside of Christian Derrissaw. Obviously they have Ken White, who's their second round pick, who's who's done some good things, but very young. But So I think I expected this kind of performance if they could get things targeted correctly, and that's what they did. And I think you look back to Philly, a more dynamic group of pass rushers, say what you want about them. I think they're kind of aging out, but very solid performance. And I, and it, it, it's like a one-to-one correlation with those guys coming to the lineup. So um, we'll see if they can continue to perform at that level. But I like what I've seen so far, and I think um, I think they're going to play they're, they're going to play well. And I think that, in conjunction with Sam's understanding of the offense and Sam's improvement, is going to continue to elevate. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind here too. It's like we're giving these guys credit, and they do; they deserve credit. But also remember that Sam is improving as well, and that improvement is going to help that offensive line look better and statistically look better because we've been pretty pretty strong advocates that outside of the new york giants game the o-line's been playing well and i think right. like this is kind of you know maybe sam is just playing better now you know in conjunction I think that's with part of it. tyler and chris are doing i think that's part of it i also think this matt like you can have two things that are going well but don't fit together like i think this machination the stouter like bigger line with a little more depth of pocket is definitely the better fit for sam Howell sure, and, and the more veteran in tyler yeah. like I think I think Gates was in many ways a bad fit for Sam. And maybe that's something that 
people that are way smarter than us could have seen up from a mile away before the season. Um, but I think it's something that's definitely way easier to see with the benefit of hindsight. So that's not me like assigning blame on anybody. Um, I mean, look, Gates was a risky signing to, and also you like, you did draft Stromberg and like, uh, you know, that's a weird roster construction, but the, calm the, down, Craig. the, calm down, calm down. the bigger, the bigger point is like at, in seeing it now, like it's pretty clear that Larson and yeah. Paul are are the better fit for Sam. And so um, hopefully that can continue this weekend against Seattle. Um, anything else on the offense? I have one more thing that I thought was interesting, but anything else from you that you you definitely want to touch on? Um, I think uh, obviously the playmakers, the, yeah. the guys showing up. I, I don't know if that's what you wanted to talk about, but that's something I think is... I, I had one, one facet of that in mind, but... Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's nice to see Jahan getting explosive, Terry making plays... Jamison Crowder has been a really nice kind of slot guy. Logan Thomas has been incredibly consistent. Um, the running backs, I think, are running hard and making plays in the past game when they have to. So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. Um, I think there's a level of consistency I'd like to see improve from Jahan. I think he made a couple of big plays, but he also had some drops. I think he'd be the first one to tell you he's got to clean that stuff up. But yep. um, I, 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 I generally feel that, you know, with the offense, with, you know, with the changes on the offensive line, with Sam playing more consistently, um, that this offense is going to be a problem. And, you know, we talked about a little bit on the post game. It's really this team will go as the defense goes. And we'll talk about that more in the second half of the show. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing I was going to mention is a shout out to EB for doing a great job replacing Curtis by committee. Um, mm-hmm. And whether well, it's Jamison, yeah. Jamison Pringle, and like they got Gibson more involved. And I love to see it. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that, they found like some of the screen game stuff that had worked for them and they they used it what I think is super smartly. It's like we don't need a 45-yard touchdown for a screen play to be successful. If we can get 8 yards on second and 5 and get a first down, like that's a great use of the screen game. And so they used Gibson on like three or four of them. Gibson has 11 total touches. Uh, and it's not like a monster game, but he was super efficient. Um, I think it was like 11 touches for 74 yards, but on a, you know, six of those touches, he gets a first down. Like that's great. Yeah. And so finding ways to continue to get him involved. I, my, my one playmaker gripe, I think I would like to see Chris Rodriguez put back in a little bit more. Like he's running the ball. He seems to be their best runner. Uh, Robinson had the fumble, but he also had the touchdown. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but Rodriguez has been very consistent, but I, I love the way they use Gibson. And I hope that when Curtis gets back, they can c- continue to find ways uh, to keep Gibson involved because I think he's too talented and he will break one. Like it's a matter of yeah. time before he breaks one. Um, and so that, that was kind of my thing that I thought they did a really good job because Curtis has been really important to this offense, um, kind of subtly. Um, but without him there, they found multiple guys to, to do the things that he's done. Well, Byron on third downs, Jamison getting loose Gibson in the screen game. So, um, good job by EB and Bobby Ingram and, and the running backs coaches and everybody on, on figuring out how to do that. But I also think that Gibson warranted some of those opportunities. Like there's times where you, I think you've probably seen it where he gets out there and he doesn't look like he's, he was running like a maniac, man. He was running yeah. with a super uh, deliberate, like super, super purposely. And I think that's been good to see kind of him kind of when he's at his best, he's special, you know, it's just sometimes I feel like he's kind of in between. And so to see the confidence he was playing with and, uh, like kind of the right mental approach was also really good. So credit to the coaches, but also credit to Gibson for kind of finding that in the game and, and I think warranting more touches. And I think that one of the things the staff has done is they've been pretty good about who the hot hand is, is going to get more touches. And I think he kind of said, 
I have the hot hand, right. give me more touches. So. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. We're live at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. And this Sunday, Logan, what time are we going to be there? Uh, three o'clock. Three o'clock? No. No. One o'clock. One o'clock. Three hours before yes, the game, and it's a four carry, o'clock kick. Carry the one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So yeah. one o'clock. We are there. It's a four twenty-five kick. Uh, so we just—they don't let us start the show at one twenty-five. I'm going to protest that. I'm going to march into our boss's office and be like, "We do three hours, sir. Not a moment <laughs> more." Uh, no, we'll be there at one o'clock, uh, which means you can come hang out, watch the one o'clock games, listen to us preview commanders and Seahawks. And of course, if you can't make it out to tap sports bar, you can listen to the take command pregame show on one Oh six, seven, the fan, the team nine eighty, or watch it live on either stations, YouTube page. So the defense, uh, they, they got to face the Patriots offense, which is a nice day at the office because they're not very good, but it's also their first game without chase young Montez sweat. Um, so that was, you know, they had obviously a lot of attention on them, high level thoughts, how'd they do? Um, you know, I thought in terms of replacing Montez and chase, I thought, um, FA had a good game. I thought he flashed. I think there's times where FA it's like, is FA doing what he's supposed to be doing? But also FA is making plays. So it's like kind of, you know, some good, with the, the, same, the same conundrum with, with those other two guys. Yeah. Um, but I think FA plays with a good effort that is always fun to see. But James uh, was very consistent. I thought he had a couple nice pressures. And I just basically James and Casey both were just incredibly consistent. They generated a fair amount of pressure. They were in their rush lanes. They fit runs correctly. Check, 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 check. And that's kind of what we were hoping we'd get from them. Um, you know, then you get to the, the interior guys. I thought John looked, had moments of kind of dominance again. I thought Duran was a little bit quiet Ridgeway. I mean, he seems to be kind of progressing into one of the, I don't know, I don't premier is probably a strong word, but a very solid run stopping player on the interior. Who's got a great feel for what he does well and is doing a good job with it. Big Phil, I thought, um, you know, I think at, at times struggled, but I think you see kind of the athlete that they took in the second round at times. It's just about getting him to play more consistent and considering it's his, what is it like his third game of his career? Yeah. Like, you know, I think that'll come. So I think the linebackers were a little bit up and down. Um, obviously the, everyone knows the cross dog that was misfit by Jamin. That was a big deal. Um, and I just feel like this is, this is super high level. So back even out from like the defensive line and linebackers, as I just felt like if I am Bill O'Brien today, I want to punch Mac Jones in the face because I felt like there was a ton of opportunities where Mac just needs to make the throw and we are, we've got an explosive play or we've done something really spectacular. You know, like there's the post to Jalen Rager. There's a corner where, um, you know, Benjamin St. Juice is a man-to-man coverage and he, this 81, um, Demario Douglas has been running choice routes all day. So he kind of sets it up like he's running a choice. St. Juice cuts the choice like I would too. You know, you see six choices in a row, you're going to cut it. And he takes the stem up. It's a beautiful route, runs a corner. He is wide open. And Mac Jones turfs that son of a gun. You're like, okay, that's a weird bit. There's the the ball to Ramondre Stevenson at the end of the game where he, again, Ramondre Stevenson runs the fake choice and go. And the ball's way underthrown, and Jamin's able to punch it out. Great job by Jamin sticking with the play and punching the ball out. Right, but it, a good a throw, and like he's dead there. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of that from the Patriots' offense, where you're like, if this is if this is Jalen Hurts, if this is you know John Allen, if this is 
any name your quarterback who's a good quarterback, um, and this game feels and looks very different. I think that's the thing I keep going back to is the defense. We knew they were going to play well because Mac Jones has been struggling at quarterback. We knew they were going to play well against Atlanta because Desmond Ritter has been had been struggling at quarterback. And I I think there's a theme here because there's still a little bit of air. Like there was a coverage bust on a uh, on a third and six, right where they're in a the the uh, the Patriot Patriots are in a tight bunch. There's a crosser, a high cross, and like a post. And two guys carry the high cross, and the and the, the mid crosser, who's uh, Juju Smith, is wide open for a fifteen or twenty yard gain. And that stuff it happens in the course of a game. But I do think like there needs to be a a battening down in terms of some of this stuff, and maybe um, an effort to kind of find better better matchups for the defense. Because like there's times where I'm kind of like, man, this is a tough matchup for anybody, and um, you know, so like that, that's all kind of going through my mind when I'm watching the film. But high level, I just think versus a better quarterback, this defense is probably yeah. in, a, in a different situation. Um, it definitely feels like you can just look at who the starting quarterback is on the other team and kind of predict the result. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, true of any defense, though, really. Like, yeah, but it's it feels so tightly correlated um, for this unit. Like Josh Allen's going to destroy their lives. Jalen Hurts is going to put up a ton of points and thankfully the offense is able to keep up and keep those games close, but you know, obviously not enough because you give up 38. Um, you face Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter and you have a pretty good day at the office. You face the giants and Tyrod Taylor. Like you give up 14, like it's always what it's supposed to be based off of the opposing offense. And you're hoping this is a unit. And obviously the expectations probably change a little bit with, with those other guys gone with sweat and young. It's like, Oh, the four first rounders up front dominant D line, like all that expectation is gone. Um, but you're, you were hoping coming into the year, certainly that this would be a unit that could play above those expectations that they would take a good offense and be like, no, we're good too. And, and shut it down. And I, and I want to go back to along those lines, the matchup situation. Um, because I do feel like, Jamin gets stuck doing a lot of stuff that's not ideal for him. Like just where you go, hey, like I know you're fast, I know you're athletic, and I know they drafted you to cover, but like that's a tough ask. Why is he chasing a slot receiver? How are how are teams so easily able to get the matchups that they want against this defense? And what can be done to make that stop happening? Yeah. I think, you know, what I've been a little bit surprised with is I felt like they found a little bit of traction getting into like cover two structures and like some just kind of mixing it up, cover two structures. Hey, we're going to play two man. We're going to play straight cover two. And I feel like this week they got back into playing some more man coverage and the man coverage is tough because like I can identify like who's going to cover who, like based on motions and shifts and things like that. And I feel like you got kind of, that's the other thing is like looking at that offense their best player is probably their running back, right? Their running back and their slot receiver. So I thought you did a good decision. You made a good decision. You matched up Benjamin St. Juice on the slot guy. And I think Benjamin St. Juice had a pretty good day. Obviously, there was a couple times where it wasn't great, like I just alluded to, but pretty good. Jamin, I think, had a pretty good day also, but he's playing against a guy who, after watching Ramondre Stevenson against this defense, like I'm like, I have a lot of respect for him as a runner, as a pass catcher, as a general playmaker. Like, He's a guy that needs to get more national pub and probably should try to get out of New England because that's a tough spot for him to be in because he's a he's a legitimate like playmaking football player, you know. And so I think like in those situations, those matchups probably favor the offense. So you're really asking, can the defense win them, you know, 60 percent of the time, 50 percent of the time? If you can, you probably win the football game. And I think in this case, 
they did for the most part, but they were helped out by Mac Jones. So it's like, which in fairness to Jack, like he probably knows that. That's a great point. That's a great point. That's a great point. Like, Like, you know who you're playing. And so go ahead, take your shot man to man. I don't think you can make the throw. And that's exactly what happened. That happened a ton in this game. And again, it's, if I'm, again, if I'm Bill O'Brien, I am like, what the hell, dude? Like, what are we doing? We should, we should have, we should have been at least in this game late in the game. And we probably should have put up way more points and had way more yards. But that's not how it went, and it's to your point because it's he's he's not playing good football, Mac Jones, or he didn't play good football in this game. Let's just say that. So, um, and again, like they schemed some stuff open, but to your point, like maybe Jack's like, nah, he can't do it, and he didn't do it, and maybe that's good defensive. Maybe that is a good defensive approach. Yeah, and you know, just what do you do when there is a good quarterback? Like, do you have a better answer? Do you have better solutions? Can you be a little bit more versatile and set your guys up for success? That's that's the question. Um, rookies strike back like the yeah. draft class shows up uh, four of the guys on defense all play obviously KJ Henry has what should be a sack and the egregious you know roughing call which I do think the league actually admitted like yeah that one shouldn't have been a penalty our bad <laughs> they'll probably still fine him because they're, that's Weirdos. I don't yeah like ugh, don't get me started on that um, Andre Jones makes a couple of splashes and then He's obviously okay. Forbes, uh, and the thing is with Jones, like I feel like he got washed inside a bunch. Like he gets out of his rush lane. There's lack of discipline. He's chasing stuff. Like I feel like that happened uh, at least more than a few times, um, or, or a few times. He only played what 15? Where am I? 14 snaps in the game. Yeah. Um, but it, you see like the consistency and the benefit of a James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill compared to him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think and the then, guy you mentioned, KJ. I think KJ. Yeah. It was cool to see. I think he played with a little bit more consistency than I thought he would play with. And I think yeah. he'll probably end up playing more. I know everyone was really f- fired up about Andre Jones, but it's it a felt reason like, he was the fifth rounder. Yeah. I, I, which we hadn't seen really. You know, he'd been very quiet in training camp. He was very quiet in the preseason. And this was the first time I was like, oh, all right. Like it wasn't like he did anything spectacular, but the moment didn't feel like the energy of the moment didn't feel too big for him. He was where he was supposed to be. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets a little bit more burn. And as he gets more burn, like you can see him start making some more plays. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously the the highlights are the the first and second rounder, the two DBs. Uh Quan yeah. has the game ceiling interception. Emmanuel has what feels like a fantastic day. Obviously very yeah. productive. He's targeted a lot. He he holds up. What did you make of those two? Yeah, I thought uh I mean Forbes is really the guy that sticks out to me because all those other guys, I think uh I think Quan played like 12 to 15 snaps, something like that. 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a lot of that's in like cover two. He's the post safety. He's not really involved. Obviously the interception's great, but to me, that's more Fuller's play than his, but awesome job making the play when it's called. Yeah. You see him playing, you see the athlete. And I think that's something that's been exciting about his 15 plays or his 12 plays each week is he's playing with the speed and the explosiveness that I saw from, I saw from him in college. And so that to me tells me he's getting a little bit more confident. It's kind of the same thing with Percy Butler. Like when you see Percy Butler like rip to the football, you're like he is seeing it better. He's playing more confident. Percy had a pretty solid game, I thought. Like he had a got beat on an out route, but you know he had a great tackle from the post position on like an outside on like a toss play. Great job. Had a nice PBU in there and uh, the New England two minute drive at the end of the game. You know, so flashing obviously can be more consistent for sure. But great to see another young player playing well. Uh, Quan, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see if his role continues to expand and how they utilize him and if he continues to play with the confidence we've seen in the smaller sample size. But Forbes is the guy, man. Like, this was what we wanted to see. And uh, it 
you know, he's going against like, you know, Tyquan Thornton and Jalen Rager. And there's not a guy over there that's like, oh, like super scary AJ Brown. But right. versus those matchups for a guy who's a first round talent, he looked like a first round talent. He was very physical at the line of scrimmage. He used his length well. He was very patient. He was competitive at the catch point, obviously. And again, there was one where maybe he gets bailed out by Mac Jones, where the 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 DBs running a, or the receivers running to go. He's in the trail position. I think he's a good position, but that's one of those ones where you know it's the same position he was in versus AJ Brown against Philly last week. But Jalen Hurts throws a dime, and AJ Brown's a beast. But he makes a play on the football there. So I think his grade on PFF was like a ninety-three. And There's not 91 3. 90, like 91 3, which is awesome. And I think right the third so. best corner in the league last weekend. And he made a great tackle on a jet sweep. Really fantastic yep. job on that. And maybe my favorite play of the game is um, they hit a screen pass to, to Ramondre Stevenson late. And Ramondre Stevenson had literally not been brought down by the first tackler the entire game. Like that dude's contact balance in this game was outstanding. And it's one-on-one him and a guy who weighs 235 pounds and Ramondre Stevenson and you know everyone knows Forbes is not a big man and he's able to get him to the ground and there was not a lot of fear like that was a big criticism earlier in the season like he wasn't fit and runs great he was a little bit tentative great job on that so it was nice to see a two nice tackles um and then all I think he had four PBUs if I remember correctly so um, really, it's his day, I, I would say. You know, uh, we can talk about the other rookies, but he's the guy that yeah. looked like a first-round pick, played like a first-round pick, won all of his matchups, and had like a, I don't want to say dominant, because I think that has like this, but it was a very dominant, very prolific performance for a defensive back. So good job for him. Yeah, it was very clear New England was like, when 13's in the game, we can we can get him. And, and he was like, him. no, no, you can't. Like, I'm I'm ready. Um, and maybe there is a little credence to some of the things that he said after the Philly game, uh, where he's like, I was in good position. Like the guy pushed off and he made a play. I just got to make a play. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think I have a technique issue. And Ron's still talking about like, oh, there's techniques. You got to clean up this, that, the other thing. And I don't know the way wh- who, when, when this coaching staff decides to like be hard on a player versus when they're not, I'll never figure it out. Yeah. But I, I think overall, like it's a good sign. Forbes, I think it's going to be fine. Um, he's still you, got stuff need. to learn. Yeah, he's still got stuff to learn, but like he's got the right makeup, and I think that mentality and and um, when you listen to him talk, you go back to even some of the behind the scenes video of of his interview with the draft, and you're like, oh, I get it, I get why yeah. you fall in love with this kid and take him in the first round. Uh, and it's just a matter of him figuring out the physical part, which hopefully will be a continued success uh, in terms of the work in progress. All right, anything else from this game uh, in general, or are we uh, we good here for the film review? Uh, I think we are we're doing we're doing okay, and it's just about for offensively. I think we're all excited about Sam. A couple things here and there, maybe maybe need to be corrected, maybe not. Well, you know, that's a question yeah. for uh, for the OC on uh, whatever day his media is available. And then defensively, Thursday. can we get? Uh, is there a, a level of consistency that can be reached? Because if there is, against better quarterback play, I don't want to say they can make a run, but it feels like they have enough pieces where they could. If if get a little bit more consistent on defense and Sam continues to progress, because that's the one thing about having a quarterback, man, a good quarterback or a guy that's a top fifteen player, he can make you right. So if that's the progression and that's the direction we're going, be very optimistic about the future of this team. Yeah, definitely. John Allen uh, after the game in the locker room said, uh, "Hey, look, we haven't even put together a full game yet. Like you guys will play great. Talking about the offense, we'll play okay for a certain amount of time. We haven't all put it together for sixty minutes. So imagine how good we can be." 
And to me, that's the real test of, of how good a team is, is like, can you do that with any kind of consistency? Because everyone in the NFL is talented. Everyone can put together a good quarter. Can you put together four quarters and then eight quarters and then 12 and, and on down the line? Uh, and that's what we're going to find out with this team over the second half of the season, starting with the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. We preview it on the Friday show and, of course, for three hours before the game, take a man pregame show on Sunday. We will see you then. I'll see you on the Team 980 from 4 to 7 between now and then. Thanks for listening to Take Command.